So that was the number one problem was that the I saw a lot of vouchers go unused and expired and a lot of tenants just basically saying they cannot find a landlord to accept Section 8 vouchers. And then I would hear landlords coming in and, you know, they would say, hey, I've been having this property up. I really want a Section 8 tenant and I don't know how to get one. You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Risser, Executive Vice President, Strategic Partnerships with Rate My Agent, a digital marketing platform designed to help great agents harness the power of verified reviews. For more information, head on over to ratemyagent.com. Listen in as I interview industry leaders and get their stories and journeys to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 292 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and thank you so much for telling a friend. Today, I want to thank the National Association of Realtors and the IOI Pitch Battle, the Innovation, Opportunity, and Investment Pitch Battle that was held in Dallas, Texas just a couple of weeks ago. I found my guest, Jerry Valentine, uh, through that pitch battle. He founded Renter Mentor. And what Renter Mentor does is solve some, some of the pain points in the affordable housing community, right? With tenants and landlords and trying to connect them in a better, simpler way, and even just kind of streamline some of the process. It was just a fantastic pitch. And I wanted to bring him here to share with my audience. So let's get this thing started. Jerry, welcome to the podcast. Bill, thank you for having me. Uh, it's been a while since I've talked to someone that is not active in sales, active in the real estate sales market or in that side of it. And so it's this is very intriguing to me because we're going to talk about a different part of real estate, right? We're going to talk about affordable housing. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the th- great things you're doing um, in a couple of different places, which is kind of fun to, 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 to see when I was doing some research. So we'll get to that shortly. But first, I always start at the beginning. Uh, I know you're in Columbus, Ohio. I've got one of my best friends, Sean Carpenter's in Ohio, Columbus as well. Uh, are you, a, I guess this is the word, are you a native Colombian? Is that where you grew up? I am not. I am a uh, visitor to the land, um, <laughs> uh, to, the, to, the, to the, Buc- the, the city of the Buckeyes here. Right. Um, I'm actually originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. Born and raised. Um, I moved to Columbus in the summer of 2013. Um, right after um, graduating from Ohio University. Awesome. So let's let's first of all. So Ohio is your state, which is great. Um, tell me, give me, give me something that you love about Ohio. I ask this question a lot to guests, and or I might say, how, what's the biggest misconception about Ohio? But let's go this route and say, what do you love about you? Obviously, you're there. You've been there your whole life. Why? I love Ohio because. We give off big city energy, but don't have the population. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so, you know, I love the fact that we are a city. We have cities that, you know, offer everything that a, a bigger city would um, just without all the traffic and the overcrowding. Um, but things are changing here in Ohio. So I don't know how long I'm going to be able to say that for me. When I think of Ohio, there's, it's 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 the two big cities in my opinion. It's like Cleveland and Cincinnati, right? It's those. That's where all the feels like that's where all the sports are. That's really everything happens in that part. So I'm just going to imagine growing up in Cincinnati, a Reds fan, right? You have to be. Have to be. <laughs> have to be. <laughs> yeah, and there's their um, 
you know, you were, you're a little too young for this, just, just a guess, but a run there in the seventies that probably people still talk about with the big red machine. Oh yeah. <laughs> Trust me. We, we gotta, we gotta remember all our wins uh, <laughs> around there in Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, I get it. You mentioned, maybe you hinted to this answer, but what's something you'd change about Ohio? Hmm. Something that I would change about Ohio would be, I don't know if I would change anything. Nice. Honestly, I I really can't think of anything that is like a pressing issue. Maybe the way that our our trash system goes, uh, instead of it all being put out in the front, follow more of the the Columbus model, putting it in the back (laughs) for pickup. (laughs) I like that idea. Yeah, no kidding. Especially, um, yeah, alleys are a good place to do that kind of do that kind of work. Yeah, you know, you and I met at the IOI NAR event. That's uh, innovation, opportunity, and investment, which is really cool because we have all these these um, entrepreneurs and startups, and they get to have some fun. And I met you there, and we were chatting uh, at a mixer afterwards. But the first thing <laughs> I have to ask this question to get it out of the way because it'll bug me. You talked about your brother. Uh, and what he's doing with his life. And let's talk real quick about that because I have a lot of sports fans that listen to the show. And we've got a name we got to follow this year in college football. Talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. So um, I have a younger brother, the baby boy of the family, who is a defensive back for the University of Kentucky. Um, He is entering his sophomore year. Um, His name is Carrington Valentine. and He wears number 14. Every day is Valentine's Day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, very uh, athletic, you know, young man, um, bright and, you know, doing a lot of good things out there on football for UK. So please pay attention to number 14, Carrington Valentine. Yeah, you're and you're not so far away that you can't make it to a home game a couple of times a year, I would think, right? A few hours to get there? Oh, yeah, definitely a few hours away. So yeah. this is... I definitely plan on being in the stands this year. Um, I didn't get to make any of the freshman year games just because I was so indulged with building my business slash, you know, in the midst of the pandemic. Um, but my my goal is to at least make it to uh, a couple games this year. Yeah. That, well, good luck to Carrington. It'll be fun to watch. I love having a personal connection, you know, when you're watching football on a Saturday morning. Um, you know, you, you head off to Ohio University you know, was a career in the nonprofit world and affordable housing even a blip on the radar? What were you thinking about? You know, what was the plan? Entering my freshman year at Ohio University, I really wanted to study communications. Um, My goal was to really be a journalist. But when I was, you know, talking my plans through with my parents, specifically my mother, you know, she was like journalists and, you know, broadcasters and unless you're on ESPN or something, you're not really going to make, you know, any money or anything like that. So that was out the window uh, coming in. So I was like outside of, you know, being able to express myself and give my opinions on things. What else do I like to do? And at that time, um, I had played football in high school and um, I loved I had gained a passion and a love to workout and, you know, to physically be in shape. And, you know, so I entered a, a career pathway of uh, physical therapy. And that's, you know, really what I studied for the first three years before it just got to a point where 
I knew that I did not like this and I did not want a career in that. And I needed to pivot into go, going back into more of the, the comms field. Um, so that was kind of that, that mapping, but it took a minute and it took, it definitely took, um, uh, some, some, some failed classes and just, um, some overall, just, you know, lack of kind of motivation to do the work for me to realize that this isn't what I want to do. Yeah. And it's important to have that passion for what you're going to do, especially when you're a young man, just starting out. Yeah. You describe you describe yourself as an innovator and a social entrepreneur. Love that. I love that description. And one of the things you've 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 done is um, created uh, the Get Out Network. And I, I would love to hear more about this. Can you talk about the mission of, of this nonprofit? Absolutely. So, Get Out Network was the five hundred one c three nonprofit organization that I started right after college. Um, this was my first business, um, which is really untraditional for most entrepreneurs. Most entrepreneurs start off with a for-profit type of business. But for me, uh, after kind of digging deep of what problem we were trying to solve and things like that, the, 50C, the 501c3 route made sense. Basically, the mission of Get Out Network is to uh, work with underserved, underrepresented K-12 through youth and provide uh, different STEM and art workshops uh, for them. So we really serve more as a, uh, a, a educational supplement, you know, curriculum supplement. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we decided to address this problem was when I first started doing photography and videography, I was in college and this was probably my senior year um, right after when I was in this kind of exploratory phase of like what drives Jerry and I had started doing videography and photography for different organizations um, on campus. And, you know, it was it really started off as kind of free work that I just was trying to build up a portfolio that ended up becoming, you know, uh, uh, a 1099 gig where I was making some good money when moving out of the my college town in Athens to the city of Columbus, I, that work very much changed. Um, and I wasn't doing the kind of passion work that I was used to doing, you know, purpose driven work that I was doing. Um, and that's when I started thinking about, okay, well, what was I really doing for these organizations or these individuals that would contact me for these services? And I was, I realized I was filling a skills gap. And a lot of people don't look at photography and videography as technology, but that's really some of our oldest technologies that that has been around. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people still don't know how to use a video, uh, you know, a, a professional camera and, a, you know, whether it's to do photography or videography and then let alone the actual editing and all that different things that comes with putting a video together, mm -hmm. um, editing a nice photo. Um, so I realized it was a, a divide in terms of education and, and things like that. And at that time in 2014, no one really was talking about the digital divide, like how they are now. Um, but that was definitely what we were trying to feel. I saw that I had different opportunities with the schooling that I was able to go to from, you know, grade school all the way to high school to college and the advancing technologies and the curriculums and things like that, that basically helped me become who I am today. And a lot of that I saw 
you know, in these different underserved and underrepresented demographics, they didn't have these same opportunities. And I wanted to make sure that we built a authentic curriculum that uh, would serve, that could be injected, whether it was through um, in the school systems, after school programs, um, and be, you know, really serve as a, uh, you know, a intro classes or introduction to the technology and start helping these demographics, you know, get exposed to this advancing technology. So that started and we got, we officially got our 501c3 in 2015 and we're going into our January of 2022 will be the eighth year that the Get Out Network had been or has been around. So it's, it's, uh, it's been a definitely a good journey and I learned so much by starting a, a nonprofit because you wear so many hats and you get into so many different rooms that, you know, you just, you know, you wouldn't have normally been in if you didn't have a 501c3 nonprofit organization and had to be, you know, all of these, you know, things. So it was a great, great first business to start. Well, well, that's awesome. I mean, and then looking at, I love the way you tied together, you threw art in with STEM and you don't see that very often, but it makes perfect sense, right? Because a lot of the technologies you're talking about have a, a certain flow and a feel. Another reason is not just for, you know, just to be teaching the arts, but really the arts are the the true way of self-expression. That's how you find out you know, how to really, truly, authentically express yourself is through different mediums of art. So it's it's important to be able to tie the STEM discipline in with that um, because it helps you, you know, learn how to be creative within that STEM discipline space. So thank Love you it. for pointing that yeah. out. Love it. Uh, how does affordable housing enter the picture? Affordable housing entered the picture. um in 2016, I was getting ready to be, I think, 26 years old, um, which was the time. And it's relevant because it was the time that I had to get off of my parents' benefits. <laughs> yep. And um, before that, I was mainly doing Get Out Network, basically full time with doing, you know, random part time gigs to kind of supplement uh, income here and there. Um, so I never really had an official, uh, I'll say big boy job as I had called it back then, but because I needed, you know, insurance and things like that, because I was getting kicked off, um, uh, cause I was coming of age. Um, I had to, you know, figure out what, what was that going to be? You know, what, yeah. what's, what's this next step for me? And, uh, long story short, a uh, friend of mine from uh, Cincinnati who lives in Columbus now, um, I was at dinner um, with her family and basically her dad had, uh, you know, had mentioned a position at the housing authority. And he serves as the president and CEO of that. And when he mentioned the position, I kind of like, you know, when you, you hear something, it kind of like hit me as if I needed to like that was said for me to catch that it was like he was looking for this open position at the housing authority. Um, I didn't say anything right then and there because it was kind of weird to, I guess, acknowledge that maybe this position was for me. I kind of sat with it for a second 
And then um, I'll say after dinner and then I got back home and I was like, I couldn't stop thinking about what he had said, the position and, and, you know, things like that. So I text my friend that night and I told her, I said, I think I need to talk to your dad about that position that he had mentioned. And then she was like, oh, okay." Um, And then that's kind of was the rest is history from there. Um, that was my introduction and my segue into the Columbus Metropolitan Housing Authority, um, which my first position was the uh, at the front desk. It was a receptionist position and it was the best position I could really start out as because affordable housing, Section 8, for those who don't know what the, the Public Housing Authority main objective is to administer Section 8, um, the Section 8 vouchers, as well as uh, the public housing programs um, that the federal government HUD rolls out t- to to that particular um, municipality. So um, it was a, the front desk receptionist was a great position because I like I said I didn't know the industry and it allowed me to literally work with everybody, every player from the people, the general public coming into the doors looking for assistance to the people on the program, to the advisors, to the inspectors, to the executives and managers. You know, I literally learned the day to day operations of the business and I was hearing all the problems that was happening on the ground level. And that was my segue. I was at the front desk for eight months before getting my my first promotion um, into the advisory role um, where I was in the applications department at first, actually administering the vouchers. It had been the first time the wait list had been open in, I think, about four years. Mm. Um, so it was a big deal. Um, CMHA in uh, Columbus had a wait list of about 26,000 that we managed. So it was a big deal to be in that department. And then I segue into the leasing and intake department um, where I got to really work with not just the clients on the program, but also more so the property managers and the landlords and got to hear so much. So within that four years that I worked there, I was able to um, gain a, a whole different knowledge and skill set in terms of affordable housing and the industry itself. Um, and, you know, so much networking that happened within that time period as well. Um, but to kind of tie in, you know, the whole time that I was there, I always, I'm very much still STEM minded, innovating, was always looking for problems and issues within how can we bring advancing technologies or where are the gaps? Yeah, you're you're an entrepreneur at heart, so you're always looking for that. How do we how do we improve this, and what are the opportunities? And that leads right into the next thought for me is is Renter Mentor, which is your your company now, comes from your time watching and kind of analyzing what was happening. Correct? Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about what was the thing you were going to solve because obviously that's the way you think. How do I solve this, and what's the what's the tool that can do that? The number one problem um, that I heard from the time that I was at the front desk all the way until my ending and the leasing and intake department was both from landlords and tenants unable to connect with each other. So when a voucher is administered, uh, that particular tenant has 90 days to find a landlord. I mean, you would think, you know, three months is plenty of time to, you know, find a rental, you know, but it's not uh, because one, 
it is legal to not accept Section 8 or not want to deal with the, the uh, process. Okay. Um, so you have a lot of folks that don't want to deal with it for, you know, uh, a number of reasons, um, whether it's just the the demogra- dealing with the demographic itself and people having a stereotype of, of what the affordable housing demographic is um, and the stereotypes that comes with that. Um, all the way to the actual bureaucracy and administration of the program. Um, and so that was the number one problem was that the I saw a lot of vouchers go unused and expired and a lot of tenants just basically saying they cannot find a landlord to accept Section 8 vouchers. And then I would hear landlords coming in and, you know, they would say, hey, I've been having this property up. I really want a Section 8 tenant and I don't know how to get one. Um so that was the first problem was that it was hard to connect landlords and tenants. And then the second issue, which I kind of touched on the first of why landlords don't participate is the bureaucracy and the you know different uh, lack of administration issues and the compliance and the lack of education around that. So a lot of landlords who are willing or uh, looking to once they get uh, a client and get the paperwork, they don't know how to really fill it out. So it's a lot of things that hold up the process. They don't know the inspection piece and things like that. So those were the two big issues that I saw that caused the huge kind of supply and demand of the landlord serving, servicing the program and then the, the tenants that needed, you know, actual landlords. As you're hearing these problems, um, you start asking, well, what are we doing? here as an organization to fix that. And um, they had directed me to um, a platform that we were giving out to both the landlords and tenants to serve as a listing for particular Section 8 housing. Um, So I did my research on the platform and I, you know, constantly would hear and ask feedback. How well, why does this not work? This tool or, you know, why aren't you using this? And everyone would say it's outdated. It's a lot of scams, you know, on the platform. It's it's just not effective. That caused me to dive deeper into this platform and was like, well, how and why are we still using it? Long story short, I found out that the housing authorities aren't paying for the front end services of the platform. They pay for back end services in terms of rent comparables. And that was why the housing authority used it, really. And the front end stuff was just kind of like an added bonus. And once I realized that, I realized that I could potentially make this better on the front end and still keep everything that it does on the back end. Uh, But it was time for basically the the mainstream solution in the, the space, which is they pretty much have a monopoly right now nationwide. Um, it just it, it's not effective to, the you know, to really our front end users, which is the landlords and the tenants. And to me, that's the most important thing. So, you know, a little disruption is good, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I met you at, like I mentioned earlier, IOI. Uh, let's talk about some of the just that whole process of of the as a startup you know, finding those programs that are out there, you know, the accelerator programs and the things like IOI, um, how does, you know, how does that, how does that help renter mentor gain traction? Oh, that was, uh, 
one of the greatest moments uh, that I've had, you know, really in my life. Um, one, the opportunity to be able to participate in the annual pitch battle and be on the stage to, um, you know, present your company to, the, you know, the, the national audience uh, that mm-hmm. the National Association of Realtors attracts uh, was the first win for us. Um, and the opportunity that Second, uh, second uh, Century Ventures uh, basically invited us to. So being able to do that and do it successfully um, up on the stage was the, the number one win because it was, you know, I was able to, you know, get the pitch out there and whoever it resonated with, you know, afterwards, that's who kind of I attracted or, you know, um, in those different networking sessions, which made the networking piece so much that much more intentional because people were genuinely coming up that either resonated with it for whether they are experienced it themselves, they're in the space, in the industry, um, whatever the reason was, they came up to me and they really wanted to provide help, insight, and you know other connections. And to be able to do that on a national level, especially where we are at a, as a startup, where we're really only in one city. Mm-hmm. We're in this, you know, the city of Columbus, you know, and to be able to go on a national stage and to be able to network in that capacity with intention like that uh, was huge. And uh, we were talking a little earlier before we start recording that I'm still bearing fruits two weeks later from the connections that I made and having those meetings. So uh, the opportunities like the um, IOI uh, summit is is huge for startup organizations to be able to participate and intentionally network in like that, because that could be the difference from me being in one city today. And then in the next, you know, six to, you know, six to 12 months could be in another three to, to 10 cities um, in different spots. So it was a great opportunity. Yeah. I mean, like every, every large city or or mid-sized city, has these problems, has this, the same probably setup that you just had in Columbus that you're solving for. And I think that's, I think that's fantastic. And just so everyone listening understands, Jerry had four minutes to basically throw out <laughs> what, what he's built, which is, is really a, a, a time crunch. And then you, you had, uh, there was about a four minute session for questions after, and you were up yes. there with, tw- I think there were a total of 12 uh startups that were doing this pitch in the pitch battle yes. so it was very cool that's my my first time attending i'll be back every year i thought it was fantastic so and you did a great Absolutely. job by the way it was really fun to watch and and i know you were a little nervous about it you know maybe a little nervous um i forget your partner's name uh, i met patrick yeah patrick was uh patrick said he, he probably heard that presentation like a thousand times the night before just making sure right <laughs> Yes, public speaking is always one of those things that ties my my stomach. I, I just got the knot out a couple <laughs> a couple days ago from that uh, presentation. Yeah, it, it was great. <laughs> we were kind of talking about this, but my, my my question is, what's next for rent for renter mentor? I mean, it is growing in, in things, but is there? Do you have other? I'll call it product. Other things you're thinking about that can help. I'm just you know, where are we going? Yeah, so. In terms of that next step for us, um, it's kind of too too twofold right now. In terms of focus, uh, we're getting ready to, to release uh, version two of our uh, web application, 
which will entail the automation mm-hmm. of these business processes um, that we talk about that are, you know, need streamlining. So to me, this is one of the biggest phases because we're solving one of the biggest pain points um, for our customers, which is the landlords and then the agencies here. Um, so that's number priority number one. And then number two, uh, something to uh, build our our uh, user base and our customers is that we're actually in the process of building out an incentive program. Um, so it's targeted, of course, is it'll, it's a landlord incentive program mm-hmm. uh, because we're still dealing with the supply and demand mm-hmm. uh, issue here in terms of not having enough landlords willing to rent uh, to the demographic in which uh, we serve. So um, outside of money payments and things like that, the second thing that a landlord cares about is property upkeep. Hmm. So with our uh, incentive program, we're being very intentional. It's like right now, okay, we have the rental assistance coming in, but we don't have any programs that offer home improvements or different incentives that help, you know, keep up uh, maintenance on the home. So right now we're uh, teaming up with uh, a group of our Ohio State University students to help us build out a incentive program that is focused on local home improvements and corporate home improvements uh, businesses where we're going to offer free services or discounted services based off of what these organizations can provide. So awesome. um, I'm looking forward to that because we're really trying to change the narrative here um, in terms of the landlords in the space in the affordable housing space. Landlords seem to get demonized. Um, everyone's a slumlord and things like that. And that's not the case. I, I really want to be intentional of you know, trying to not be an organization that is seeming to be attacking landlords, but more so empowering and realizing, you know, in order to solve this issue, we need you on our team. Um, And how can we continue to support you um, through, you know, rental assistance, as well as different incentives like home improvements in order to keep you in the space and, you know, hopefully allow you to grow your portfolio within the affordable housing, um, you know, realm. So that's kind of our two biggest goals um, in the in the upcoming, you know, I'll say six months. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Jerry, I've had you here the half hour I asked of your time. So I'm going to ask you the same question. Now, this will be a, this will be different for you because you, you, you haven't been on the, um, the you're not a realtor and and, and the realtor side's in a different kind of space than you. But but because uh, you're you're in the, the industry, I know you'll have an answer. And that's what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just starting out in the business? Diversify your portfolio. And I have to say that because, uh, you know, there's especially Columbus, there's a lot of growing markets out there where you can be very successful just just by opening the door to a home, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's in the rental side as well as on the actual selling side as well. Um, it doesn't take much to get a home sold or get a home rented. Um, but I ask everyone, every agent out there to really consider diversifying their portfolio in terms of um, during what a lot of people in COVID had realized. And I think almost every kind of down period uh, that we have that this always stands true, 
that the successful landlords and property management companies that sustained during pandemics and periods of trauma within our history always have a diverse portfolio in terms of they have private market rentals, they have Section 8 rentals, they have the low income housing tax credit units. And what that does when the private market basically is failing, like it is kind of now in terms of rentals and getting payments and everything like that, the guaranteed money, those Section 8 vouchers, those uh, low income housing tax credits, they're guaranteed to come every time, no matter what. Right. Now, they may be delayed, but you're going to get your money. And I think if if for nothing else, you know, because I understand that real estate is a business and not everyone is doing this out of their good, of you know, out of their the goodness of their heart. But for nothing else, um, it's kind of, you know, please make sure that you have some guarantees to come into there for periods like this. And I think that is my best advice um, for, you know, advocating for what I do, um, but still trying to keep it in mind that, you know, people are doing this for money. Um, And there is, please do your research when it comes to these housing assistant programs, because they are driven by the market. So they're paying at least market rate, sometimes between five and 10% over market rate, depending on how you're taking care of your properties and what type of updated appliance and amenities that you have within your property. So please don't, just because you hear affordable, don't think that it's anything less than market. Um, And it's a great way to diversify and stabilize your portfolio during times of, you know, disaster. So that's my, my advice, Bill. I love that. I love that. Uh, Jerry, if someone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? The best way is email. You can reach me at info at renter, R-E-N-T-E-R, mentor, M-E-N-T-O-R dot net. Or um, you can contact me on social media, mainly LinkedIn. You can uh, search my name, Jerry Valentine. Um, and I should be the guy with the Columbus uh, heading on there. <laughs> Jerry, thank you so much for your time today. This this is great. I really I love what you're doing. I love how you're. Um, I love your passion for what you're doing. And 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 I do want to say that when you're helping people as a realtor, right? And when you're helping people and you're helping them find housing, even if it's a rental, there's a huge opportunity for those for those agents to turn those people into buyers down the road. And to really take them to that next level. So, so I think you've, you've laid out a great plan there, right? Understand that how important it is. Uh, and then when they're ready, you're the one that they're going to remember and they're going to come to you as a realtor and take you, you know, down this path. I think it's a great, I think what you're doing is fantastic. So continue the great work. I appreciate the kind words and thank you for having me. Uh, on the squad cast, you know, um, all these opportunities are great for entrepreneurs. We love talking about ourselves, our businesses. So thank you for having me and, you know, continuing to to have this platform to showcase, you know, entrepreneurs and other business people in the space. So thank you. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Sessions. Please head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash RE Sessions to leave a review or a rating and subscribe to the Real Estate Sessions podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. (laughs) 